Glad you're in church. Okay. <laughs> when we ministered, Sharon and I ministered together, we've, it's interesting, we started singing together. My wife plays the piano. It wasn't always, wasn't always roses at first when we started, was it? But uh, I thank God for a mate that uh, God has given me. We both love the Lord. And uh, we'd like to do a couple. Do y'all like Southern Gospel? Uh, I, I, Sharon says, I know Aaron likes it because I heard him singing it. But uh, uh, I started out when, when I played music in the church was with, with folk. Then, uh, then Sharon got me over to, to Southern Gospel. We've done contemporary. I love the, the hymns of the church. The old ones, we go to the nursing home. And like I said before, we... Uh, got to practice them for 15 years now or so, but uh, they're still relevant today. Want to introduce this song? You okay, you take my mic. You know, this one's really loud. Uh, sometimes life comes at us pretty fast, doesn't it? You know, we go along and everything seems to be going smooth and then there's a bump in the road. And um, this past Monday, I had a cousin that was, he got up, he was getting ready, getting dressed, and he collapsed in the floor. Ended up in the hospital with um, several heart attacks, blood clots in his lungs, and Thursday, his wife had to make the decision to, to take the life support off of him. As of yesterday, he was still with us, but I don't know uh, this morning where all that stands. But you know, I'm so thankful, and in times like that, or maybe even not that significant. Maybe it's just a financial need or something else in our lives that comes up that we need, we need God to intervene. And I'm so glad this morning that I know the master of the wind. I know the master of the The master of the wind My boat of life Sails on a troubled sea Ever there's a wind in my sail But I have a friend who watches over me when the breeze turns into a gale? I know the master of the Make the sun shine again. 
I know the master of the Sometimes I soar like an eagle to the sky. Above the clouds my soul can be found. An unexpected storm may drive me from its heights. Bring me low but never bring me down. I know the master of the wind. I know the maker of the rain. He can calm the storm Make the sun shine again. I know the master of the wind. I know the master of the wind. I know the maker of the Make the sun shine again. I know the master of the wind. He can calm the storm. Make the sun shine again. I know the master of the wind. I was looking to hear a, a harmony come from out there somewhere, but I didn't hear the tenor coming on there. You ever hear of the bishops? <coughs> Kentucky boys. Back, 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 uh, they call it back porch music, don't they? Down, down south we sit on the back porch and sing and uh, play music. So, uh, Oh God, I love you. We know that the time is near, very near, when Christ shall appear and time will be no more when he comes. And light that shines from him will be bright and never go dim and God himself We'll wipe away all tears. Oh God, I know that you really care. Oh God, I know that you answer prayer. Oh God, I know you'll always be there. Oh God, oh God, I love you. Someday the heavens shall depart like a scroll And the stars shall fall for the great day of His wrath is come And who shall be able to stand And there stood before the throne and lamb the multitude 
with palms in their hands robed in white. And their voices cried, salvation to our God. Oh God, I know that you really care, oh God. I know that you answer prayer, oh God. I know you'll always be there, oh God, oh God. I love you. Oh God, I know that you really care, oh God. I know that you answer prayer, oh God. I know you'll always be there, oh God, oh God. I love you. I love you. I love you. All right. A step stool? Okay. That the, you got it? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Fine. I think that's good. I think that's good. We were at a job and Aaron came up and we were talking and asked him how church was going. And he said it's good. And he said that we were that they were taking uh, speaking and uh, taking turns. And he said, Would you come down? And I told God a long time ago. That, you know, God, if you ask me to do something, I'm going to do it. Man, never tell God something if you don't mean it, because, it, you know, it's going to happen. You know, you know he said, uh, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come out of this boat and walk on the water. Come on out there. Yeah, okay. So he said, I said, yes. He said, when can you come down? I said, when is good? And he said, this Sunday. And I said, okay. But I couldn't get somebody to take my, our place uh, with the worship at our church. But uh, this, this day worked out good. And I thank you once again for the opportunity to be here. Uh, if you got your Bibles, if you turn with me to the Gospel of uh, Matthew, chapter 4. And while you're getting your Bibles out, I look around and look at all the young people here and understand that there's like three or four of you that, that have been filling the pulpit and bringing the Word. And, and I, I so appreciate the, the young people coming and doing it. And I remember when I was just starting, and Richie... My son, he was uh, five, six, seven, somewhere in there. And, you know, and I'd be preaching, and I'd look out at the congregation, and if they would get disruptive, I would do this. This is a letter B. You know, if you sign A, B, I go B, good. It's just like, oh, that tastes good. You know, put it in your hand. I go B, good. You know, and I look back there, and he was gone, and uh, he wasn't around sharing. I thought. Where did he go? And this church was preaching had had a balcony in, in the top of her. About the time I looked up and seen Richie in the balcony, he had a straw and a spitwad in it. And about the time I saw him, he hit one of them deacons in the back of the neck with that spitball. I went, oh my goodness. 
I thought, what in the world he's going to do? And, and I started to say something to him, and Richie looked at me and said, Dad, you keep preaching, I'll keep him awake. All right, never mind. <laughs> Father, I thank you for this, this day. And God, you've given us this word. And I pray that you would take these scriptures, God, and you will begin to weave a message, God, that we could hide in our heart that we wouldn't sin against you. I pray that, we, that, that when we would leave this place, we'd be changed from what we were when we come in. Changed for the better. Father, once again, touch this old preacher. Anoint me for the task that's called upon. I pray that you go before me and Lord, just prepare the hearts and the ears to hear your word. I ask it in Jesus' name. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It's written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Father, again, once again, anoint this message. Make a difference in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In 1999, Sharon and I got to go to Israel. And when we went there, one of the places we got to go was Jericho. And uh, while I was there, I got to see Yasser Arafat. I don't know whether you all remember Yasser Arafat or not. But you couldn't miss him with his turban he had on but he took us, they took us up on the wall around Jericho, and the, the, the guide, he had a shofar, a ram's horn. And tradition has among the Jews that the shofar that they blew when the walls come tumbling down was when they the, caught the ram with his horns in the, uh, in the thicket, and it saved one of those horns for the shofar. So I'm the biggest, I'm the biggest guy there, and of course they're going to pick on me, and, and the guide come over and he brought me this shofar, and he said, you want to blow the shofar? And I'm thinking, man, I'm in Jericho. I'll never get another opportunity to do this like this again. So how many of you ever played brass instruments like a horns or anything like that? I hadn't either. So I got up there and I put that up to my lips and I gave this great big squeak. I mean, it was terrible. And everybody had a good laugh at it because I didn't know how they had to purse your lips and to get that to beller out. 
And he said, this is where tradition has it that Satan took Jesus. And he said, if you turn these stones into bread. And he looked up that mountain from Jericho and it was nothing but solid rocks everywhere he looked. And it made an impression on me when I got to see that. I thought there was just a rock or two here and there. It was solid rocks. But he took him up on the temple and he, you know, cast yourself down and let the angels catch you. No. But it come down to the thing that Satan wanted the most was Satan wanted to, to steal the worship from God. He showed Jesus on a high mountain and showed him all the, all the kingdoms of the earth. He said, I'll give them to you. He's asking Jesus to give him, that he give them to him. Jesus made them. Everything was made by him, for him, through him. But he wanted that worship so bad. Jesus said, no. You shall worship the Lord your God only and serve him. And today I want to talk to you about worship. Because worship is important. It's important in your life. It's important in my life. It's important to God. Worship is important. There's a story of a man who, who had a lot of money and he went into a town and he began to buy up the houses and the stores and a little bit at a time and a time and a time. But right in the middle of town, there was this man who had a little house. And try as he might, he couldn't buy that house. That man wouldn't sell it. He tried offering him something else that he might want and it still wouldn't, he still wouldn't take it. And he finally gave up. And this rich man came in and he had all of his friends with him. He was showing them, I want you to see what I own. I own all of this. And that little old man come out and tugged on the, the, the listening ear. He says, he didn't buy this. You see, sometimes in our life, I think we think we have given God everything. But I believe sometimes there's things in our life that, that we haven't sold out to God. That there's something deep down inside of us that's hidden, that we're trying to convince God that he has all of us. I think all of us have things like that. So what is worship? Today I'm talking about worship. If you look at verse 10, it's pretty well defined what worship is. It's, it's, it's reverence. And it's an action. We come into church and we come in for a worship service and we're playing songs and singing and I love it, but it doesn't end there. All of this church service is worship. Reverence and action. Worship we submit. We're talking about submitting the wives submit to their husbands. We as a people need to submit to God. How can we how can we refuse to submit and yet serve? And I read one time that worship is seeing life God's way. So where, where does worship begin? It begins with you. It begins with me. Two o'clock this morning. I don't know how they get my cell phone numbers. But my phone went off this morning. Two o'clock. And after the second ring I answered it. And nobody would answer me. And they, they just hung up. Sharon said, who was it? I said, I don't know. 
So this morning we were up before six o'clock and I was getting my phone out. And she says, what are you doing? I said, well, somebody wanted to talk to me at six o'clock. I mean, two o'clock last night. I'll see if they want to talk to me at six o'clock this morning. Sharon says, let it go. She knew that that wasn't the right thing for me to do. She knew where that would take me. We uh, got, we were eating breakfast and, and in the dining room. She threw open the curtains to, to let the sun in. And when she did, the corner of the uh, uh, curtain rod come down. And I looked at it and I started to get up and she said, forget about it for now. She's set in a mood for worship. She knows me. She knows me. When I come down, I told Sharon, I said, put some praise and worship music on. She said, I already have. I come in a room in in a dining room and I started to cry. I'm a crier. I make no apologies for it. When I come in, my spirit has witnessed with the spirit of God. Man, I'm going to cry. And I said, Sharon, you've been praying in here. She said, yes, I have. Prayer, praise, brings ushers in the spirit. Worship. Worship begins with me. Got to watch what I'm doing. I don't turn the news on in the mornings. I get aggravated at that. I don't turn on sports. I get aggravated at that too. You can tell I've got a problem with aggravation, so I'm not there yet. Worship begins with me to have a desire to know him more. Uh, in Acts 17, chapter 17, Paul was, Paul was in Greece and he was walking down the street and he looked and he seen all the, 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 the gods that they had in Greece. You know, like the Zeus and all those others. And he come by one and there was one that says, to the unknown God. You see, everybody has a desire to worship. It's not always God. It's not always a person. Sometimes it's, it's a sports figure. Who knows what it is. But inside each and every one of us, there's a desire to worship. Even to the unknown. We need to have a desire to know God more. And I like that when, and dads, you probably do this when you're, or moms, when you have your kids, and you begin to play with them, and you play hide and seek, and you go and you say, come find me, and you get behind the couch, and you leave your foot sticking out, so they can come around through the house, and they say, I found him, and you get all excited. God wants you to know him. God sticks his foot out so you can find him. God is there for you. He wants you to know him more and more. Your worship, it can't be compromised. You remember Daniel? And Daniel was elevated up and, and over the, the tetrachs and all them governors and things. and They began to get jealous. And what they said was, we're going to the king and we're going to have him make a decree. That if you worship, if you pray to anyone else except King, for 30 days, you would be killed. What did Daniel do? 
Daniel went to his house. He went to the windows, threw them open wide, in front of God and everybody, got down on his knees and prayed to his God. You see, he didn't compromise. There's a guy that I come in contact with that I work with. And we share back and forth the testimonies and what God's doing. And he said, Sid, he said, when you get paid, are you paid on the books? I said, yes, I am. And he got real quiet. He said, I'm not. Are we compromising in those things? Now, don't get me wrong. I will use every legal tax law that I can to reduce my tax debt, but I am not going to hide my income from, 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 from the law, from God. But God has called us to that. So what are we hiding? Just like that guy with the city, what are we hiding inside of us that's going to hinder our worship so that we don't worship God as we should? So it starts with us and where does it go from that? What begins with me has got to continue as part of a community. And you all are building a community here. Bless your heart. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, just like you were exhorting when you were talking about with the motorcycle wreck and in serving you were talking about with the testimony that you'd given exhorting one another and so much more as you see the days approaching you're not meant to be lone rangers God has called us into a community your community here should be a healing community 2 Corinthians 1 3 through 4 he said blessed be God even the father of the Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us all in all tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. What have you went through in your life that God has comforted you? God can help you. This is part of the community. This is part of what you're going to be here. It's not going to be just contained in this walls. Your community is going to grow outside and minister to the world. Your service, your church service, begins when you go out those doors in the back. So it starts with me. It goes to the community. So what's involved in worship? Let me ask you a question. When you entertain company at your house, where do you entertain them? Where do you take them? Where do you, where do you, where do you go? Feed them. We had company last night, never left the dining room table. You see, that's where we place that, that around the table we have things in common that we can share. You know, a sense of unity, a sense of community. At the fall, there was, a, there was a rip, there was a tear in the relationship because Adam and Eve would walk with God. But after the fall, there was a separation. And you go through all the separation, you go through all the Bible, and you come to the part at the end where Jesus has been on the cross. And he shed his blood, and he died for us. 
And he called his disciples in and he says, this is my body which was shed for you. Do this in memory of me. This is my blood that was shed for the new covenant. Eat my body and drink my blood. They had trouble accepting that. But what he's done is this, he's paid the sacrifice, but he set the table before you as a community to come back to worship together, to break bread together, to, to share that common bond that you have. When you were baptized, you know what? You were baptized by yourself. That's one. When you're in communion, you're in community. It's a bringing together of you all back into community. Thank God for that. There was a say that says we can't be at peace with each other because we're not at peace with ourselves. And we're not at peace with ourselves because we're not at peace with God. Thomas Merton wrote that. Not at peace with God. Jesus has made it at peace with God. What else is involved? Teaching. Bless your heart, teaching. Teaching guides and guards the integrity of worship. Not everybody, if you find out that not everybody worships the same. I was working a, 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 a revival. It was at a fair, and they had a, a youth revival. And they come in, and they were playing, they were playing worship music, and I use it tongue-in-cheek. I'm thinking, boy, oh boy, this is just not cutting it. How can this be worship music? He gave the word afterward, and I seen 50 kids come to the altar and give their heart to the Lord. Oh God, forgive me. I did not understand that. You moved on those hearts of those kids. But there's integrity involved. Teaching prepares our kids as they grow older to understand their faith and be able to pass it on to the next generation. Who taught you? Your parents, praise God. Sunday school teachers, praise God. We had a man in our church, his name Frank. And, and he stood up and he began to testify and he began to cry. And he said, I don't know why I'm so emotional. But he said, my grandson come running in the house. He said, Grandma, Grandpa, he says, you got to pray. And he said, why? He says, and I can't remember the little girl's name, but she was on a four-wheeler. And she wrecked and she was hurt. And he said, you got to pray for him. you got to pray for him now. And he says, my grandson, the only time he's ever in church is when he comes to spend the weekend with Grandma and Grandpa. And where he learned the idea about prayer was down in, we call it down in a dungeon, down in where the Sunday school teachers are down in, in the basement, and teaching them to pray in the power of prayer. I'll get ahead of myself. Somebody taught him that idea, and it stuck. And just like the one who was praying for that motorcycle wreck, somebody taught them, you need to pray. You need to pray. Teaching. Communion, teaching, prayer. You had on your marquee, prayer is a powerful thing. Is it still out there? I didn't notice it this morning. Is it still on there? There's a story 
of a Indian, not an American Indian, but an Indian from India, whose name was Bak Singh. And uh, I like this. He was walking through, and, and this was back years ago, and he became a powerful Christian. He converted from Hinduism to Christianity and, and noted for his prayer and his devotion to prayer. And as he was walking from one, one speaking engagement to another, which was, I don't know how far it was, but a long way apart, he said a man came up to him and stopped to him, and this man was a Hindu. He said, if, if you are a Christian, if God answers your prayer, pray and have it, the rain to stop to start because they were in a drought and Bucket said to him he said if I pray and God answers and it begins to rain will you become a Christian and as he got down on his knees just began to pray his friend who was walking beside him reached his hand down put it on his shoulder and he said Buck you know we're a long way from the place we're supposed to be next and we don't have an umbrella with us don't you think it would be wise if we waited for you to pray till we got to the church where we're supposed to be? That's power in prayer. That's power in prayer. We talked about prayer earlier. Prayer is always answered. One of three ways. It's either going to be answered yes, be answered no, or be answered Wait. It will be answered one of three ways. Have you ever been glad for a no answer when God said no? When God said no. I already shared with you this morning about coming downstairs and sharing praying. Boy, I tell you what, it filled my dining room up. Next, we'll talk to me about is praise. We were at church, announcements were made, and I was getting ready to start playing. And I just, it was just the thought, ask, they may got a testimony. They hadn't had any testimonies that time. There's a lady in our church. <coughs> Her name is Tammy. And Tammy's a nurse. And she was held up her hand and she was just jumping up and down she was just all excited ready to testify she said I'm going to a baby shower this afternoon I said okay she says you don't understand this baby that was born was was it a pound right at a pound she said the baby hadn't completely formed and the, the brain hadn't, hadn't closed together on top and had been in the hospital for so many months. She said, this is why I am so pro-life. The doctors had, had said that this baby wouldn't live and they would, would try to have, them, to have an abortion. But they didn't. They trusted God. She said, this evening, I'm going to a baby shower because that baby lived. I'm going to cry again. You talk about worship taking off. It was like it's like a fire went over the whole congregation. The praise that somebody shared just set the worship to new heights. That oh, it was just something. 
There's a saying in the, the, the Hebrews, it's a praise called Baruch Atah Adonai. And sometimes it's Baruch Atah Adonai Elohim. It's blessed are you, Lord our God. When a blessing is offered that begins with praise, when, when you sit down at your dinner table and you begin to pray over your meal and you begin to praise, you begin that with praise, thank you, God, you're awesome, God. When you begin a blessing that is offered with praise, we call that worship. When you pray over your kids, when you thank God for the, the kids and the health that he has given them, you're worshiping. You're worshiping. Giving. Community has to be giving. Back in Malachi, verse chapter 1, it talks about, you offered polluted bread on mine altar, and you say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. Oh, my, my goodness, how can you ever say that anything about the Lord is contemptible? But they did. And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it to the governor. See if he accepts it. The true heart of worship gives its best to God. Gives you first fruits. Give the best. Nothing polluted. Nothing sick. Not only in substance, but in your time. So we have this worship. And what does it bring? It brings glory to God for one thing. But it'll come back and bring blessings to you. John 12, 32. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Who was, who was talking about the guy with the motorcycle? Oh, that was you was talking about those guys. I was preaching a Mother's Day message. In the back of the church, the door opened. We'd already started service. Here come this boy in. He, he was big, burly. He had, the, he had his riding leathers on, okay? He was from Brooklyn. And he had that Brooklyn accent. No sleeves. Hair, big, big long hair, except for up here. He was bald up here. He came in, had the, the engineer boots on clomping down there. And I'm thinking, is he coming in here to whip me or what? He came in, sit down. And I gave him Mother's Day message. And I can't remember the text, what I come from. But it struck a chord with him. I gave the altar call. Old Ron Van Horn. He come up, got down on his knees right there. Did the old Roman road. He gave his heart to the Lord that day. You see, he was trying to find joy in, in the motorcycles and the drugs and all the other stuff that I won't mention, but it wasn't there. He saw something we had, and he wanted it, and he found it. Thanksgivings, we go, we take turkeys, and we go over into the, the uh, 
what housing development, the projects, that's the word I was trying to think of. And I was kind of tibbing knocking on the door. He's still big and burly, still got his motorcycle. He's just banging on that door. And he had them turkeys, and he had such a zeal for that. Oh, Ron's in heaven now. He went home. But he saw the worship of the church, the worship of a congregation, and it made a difference. It made a difference in his life. That's what I pray for you all. I want to sing a song. Like I said before, I'm not the singer at our church. If you all know this one. There's a worship leader. His name was uh, Matt Redman. Is that right? Last time I mentioned his name, I mentioned the, the quarterback for, for Atlanta Falcons, and Sharon says that's not right, so I've got to make sure I give her. She keeps me in line. And he was in a church in, Ang in, church in England, and his pastor began to talk to him. He said, we're getting, we're getting where we don't need to be. He says, for a month, I don't want to have any musical instruments in the church. He said, just your heart, from your heart, through your lips, to God's ears. And he said it made, such, made a real difference in his life. He wrote this song. Better turn this around here so you can hear me. If you know this, sing it with me. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to something that's worth that'll bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required you search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart I'm coming back to heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. King of endless words, nothing could express 
how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours, every single breath. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it. It's all about you. It's all about you. I'm coming back to heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for things I've made it. It's all about you. It's all about you. Father God, we praise you and thank you this day. I pray, Lord, that, that our worship would grow. Our love for you would grow. That God, as they've shared in Sunday school and the testimonies, that we wouldn't be afraid to share our faith. That God, we would not only have worship within us, worship within our community, but we would take that worship outside these doors. And God, that we would share our faith. And Lord, that you would be glorified in everything that we do. Father, we love you. We praise you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Turn back over to you.